What's going on, Packers fans? Aaron Nagler here talking to my good buddy, Andy Herman, the Don of the Pack-A-Day podcast, purveyor of fine Packers takes and leader in the clubhouse when it comes to knowing what the hell is going on with the Green Bay Packers, especially after a game that saw the offense really, I mean, not missing a beat despite having so many skill position players on the sideline, losing one along the way, Nontavian Wicks. What did you see on the offensive side, Andy, other than let's say, okay, yes, add Aaron Jones that yes. is clearly a uh, always a boon to any offense but the fact that Jordan Love and the offense basically didn't skip a beat like I said with so many guys on the sideline what did you see when you looked at the tape yeah the first thing is you mentioned the clear and obvious right you add that ingredient back into the offense and it just looks totally different and it just sucks that we were robbed of so much of that through the course of the season because We've seen, right. in my opinion, two real healthy games from Aaron Jones. The Bears game up until the point where he tore his hamstring or like whatever, had the hamstring injury. And then right. this game. And man, were both of those games very fun Aaron Jones games. And it's clear that when healthy, he has not skipped a beat. He looks phenomenal. He is a massively impactful player on this team. And it just stinks that we haven't seen this all throughout the year. It's hard to imagine that some of those games early in the year where the offense was trying to find its footing that things would not have gone much, much better had Aaron just been involved in the offense at that point. And of course, the injury just, again, robbed us of that. But that was the first thing. The second thing is when I initially got done with the game and the rewatch, I was like, man, Aaron Jones, like his amazing day on the ground, Jordan Love barely got hit. The offensive line did this awesome, amazing job. And then I went back and I watched the tape and it was by no means a bad day for the offensive line, but I was kind of expecting, all right, they must've moved some people. They must've really like, you know, buckled out because Brian Burns, Derek Brown, those guys are really good. I thought Carolina did a decent job of actually winning up front, but it was Jordan and Aaron that kind of did a lot of the heavy lifting. A lot of those plays by Aaron, a couple early, they got, he had good holes and he was able to cut back and, and find the alley. But I thought later in the game, especially on some like the big run that he had, um, there's just not much there. And Aaron is just a spectacular running back and is able to find that hole. And I also thought Jordan did such a great job of just getting rid of the ball, finding his playmakers and letting them do some of the heavy lifting as well. But to your point, an offense that has so many playmakers missing, it, like we've never seen this offense at full capacity, which is such a bummer. We're not going to in 2023, which is such a bummer, but you can see the fingerprints of all the work that this team did and just finalize or finishing with what we started with Aaron Jones being back. Well, that sucked and it caused probably some losses that maybe could have been wins. I do think it maybe forced Jordan to find his exactly. footing a little bit quicker right. and yep. learn how to use these weapons and use, learn how to navigate this offense because now you've got that plus you've got Jones back and that that's a lot of fun moving forward. I'm glad you brought up the offensive line because I I'm with you in the sense that I I'm, I thought I'd see like a much better performance up front across the board. Yep. I was encouraged by like individual moments and plays where I thought they, it just allowed Jordan to operate, allowed him to run the offense and he yep. was in rhythm and hell just that is a win for, for my mind. And on the flip side, you do tip your cap to the Panthers who I thought did a nice job of keeping everybody on their toes up front when it came to where, when and where they were going to send pressure, how they were going to send it. I don't think they ever really took advantage of green Bay in that way, but I do think because of that, like there were plenty of times where Jordan, maybe the initial reads not there. And I'm not saying he bailed on clean pockets, but he seemed to drift 
out of a pocket that he really didn't need to. And I think that was part of the kind of cat and mouse game. Like, do I see somebody coming? Is someone coming from this blind side? Like, I just seem to keep him uh, alert and keep them kind of guessing up front more than anything else. And what's so fun about this is while the Panthers are no question about it, a bad football team, they've been bad all season long. Their defense is not atrocious and they have some playmakers on that defense. They've got a pretty darn good defense there. You're going against a good defense with some big time playmakers on it. You don't have a lot of your weapons and you still put up 33 points. And like (laughs) that to me is so encouraging. I know there's obviously the, the big talk again is, is the defense. And even to some extent, the special teams this week, I get it. I understand it. But if you just want to look at glass half full, you can point to so many heck freaking Bo Melton is coming up off the practice squad and look like a legit guy. Like it's, it's like what Matt is able to do and and how he has navigated the season with finding the right roles for the right players. I mean, they basically plugged Bo Melton in and said, you go be Jaden Reed this week. And he's like, all right, I'll go be Jaden Reed this week. And it's like, all right, it worked for the most part. Um, That, that I think is there's so many strong takeaways from what we've seen from this offense progress through the course of the year. Well, and I am guilty as charged. I am 100% starting with that glass half full side of things, of course. Because, awesome. like, I think, I do think we'll, we'll obviously talk about the defense, but God, that has been beaten into the ground at this point. Yep. I, I, I love that you point out the Bo Melton thing because to me, that's a feather in the cap of not just Matt, but Brian and just the Packers and how they operate, right? Their program is to have those guys somewhat in waiting right on the practice squad who are there every day they're practicing they're part of their program they're not specifically transient like they are in other cities like and that doesn't mean that you know this is the only way you can do it i just appreciate the way the packers really do stress the development part of draft and develop or and or pick somebody off off waivers who you really liked in the draft process didn't end up getting but now he's available let's go get him like the packers did with bo melton last year and look, we, we've barely seen Bo Melton for the time he's been in Green Bay, right? Essentially, I mean, as far as like downs that matter, like actual reps. But man, you then look in that game, to your point, they gave him a very specific role and he answered the bell because he's involved in the program. He's there day in and day out. And they certainly, clearly coached him up like every other guy and had an idea of like, okay, If and when disaster strikes, because it always does in the NFL when it comes to injuries, we're not scrambling and picking someone off waivers that we have to throw in on a Wednesday practice and then out there on Sunday. Some street free agent who's never looked at our playbook. They've got guys that they do develop. Like I keep coming back to Caleb Jones, who's clearly on the Yash Nyman program, where it's like he's a healthy scratch every week. And every week I get some tweet at me like, well, is his kid ever going to play like well, you know, Yash Nyman didn't play his first two years, yep. save for I think it was four special team snaps, right? But you got to that third summer, he had a really nice camp, and then lo and behold, that third week, injuries strike, and there he is starting out in San Francisco in a game they win. And that's a guy who hadn't seen the field for literally for years, yep. but when called upon, was able to produce. And I think just like those are two examples of how the Packers operate maybe slightly more long view long term in a league where everything is so i mean the media obviously drives a big part of it but it's so kind of 24 hour news cycle hell 30 minute news cycle hell 10 minute news cycle where the packers are almost always in any situation looking long term and i think to your point bull melton on sunday is an example of that and because of that 
it is really, really hard for this franchise and this team to bottom out. This is a this is like the last two yep. years have been bad years in Green Bay. And it was an eight-win season a year ago with one win away from the playoffs. And you've got a seven-win season right now, two games away. You win both. You're probably in the playoffs. They're probably going to be in the, the playoff conversation, at least through this weekend. Like right. those, those are bad years in Green Bay. And for like just look around the league for some of these teams that there have te- been teams that haven't gone to the playoffs or sniffed the playoffs for a decade. That you look at the Detroit Lions up until recently and, and the years of futility. That that approach, while I know sometimes I think when you have your highest peaks, you might need to push it a little bit more aggressively right. in some of those situations yeah. and occasions. I think Green Bay has been a little bit of guilty of that at times. This is the other side of that where it, you're competitive almost every single season in some capacity. You've always got the next guy up mentality. This has been a team in a transition year trading away a Hall of Fame face of the franchise quarterback, losing their franchise left tackle from day one of the season, game one of the season. And going, jettisoning a ton of veterans and having a plethora of injuries throughout the course of the year, going with a first-time starting quarterback, and they're still freaking competitive with two games left with a chance to go to the playoffs. I mean, I'll take it. I'll 100% take it. That's the thing. So, yeah, when I look at the work the offense did as a kind of the whole picture on Sunday, it's just it's impressive to me given that, you know (laughs) – there are a lot of places to, to your point that where things probably would have fallen apart on the offensive side of the ball. And speaking of falling apart, let's talk about the defense because you look at the fourth quarter and it's just a travesty, man. I, I understand like we're to the point with the defense now where I'm, you know, everyone saw most people watching this channel probably saw my rant from two weeks ago. And now like I've gotten that out of my system, right? Like that was basically three years of frustration with the same defensive style kind of bubbling over, right? And But now I'm resigned to, and I think most Packers fans should be resigned to the fact that Joe Barry's not going anywhere in season. Like, yep. off season, I think that's another conversation. But in the season, this is who they're going to be. And what's so kind of, I want to say depressing, but somewhat sad, is that you could tell they had a very different approach coming into this game. Like, from the gun, was a very, there was more man call, there was more pressure call. But at the end of the game, You've literally got a two touchdown lead and they have no idea what they should be doing. And when when Joe Barry calls a pressure, you can tell these guys don't practice it a lot. They're not very good at it. No. And then you've got guys on the outside and Stokes and Jair who are supposed to be your man corners They're We should play more man. We've got guys built for man getting beat in man again and again and again. So it's like at this point, I'm not even as down on Joe Barry as I think probably the rest of the world is I'm down on him. No question about it, but it's like even the the guys who are supposed to be being put in good quote unquote positions aren't delivering. A couple things I want to say about that, because it's clear they used a different defensive approach, especially early in this game. They brought more pressure. The first thing that I will say, and this could have easily been, I don't mean to say this in jest, but a a miscommunication, maybe a player didn't get the call. (laughs) We don't know, right? We we don't know what was supposed to happen. There's a couple times in this game where they're bringing pressure and a guy is still off, like far off from a yep. player on the outside. And it's not, it, it's not cohesive. It's, it's, you're not, you can't do one without the other. You can't bring a ton of pressure and then leave a guy that's like, nobody's An covering easy hot, like, like, oh, exactly. and where should I go with hot. the ball? Exactly. <laughs> it was like, it was, if it was like a hot and they like right. checked to it and saw the pressure, he checks to the hot or whatever, like awesome. Like that's good football. Right. We're cool with right. it. 
but it's just like the outside corner is bailing on the play and the, the wide receiver is just, you know, sitting down and it's just an easy completion. And it's like, if you're going to bring pressure, you have to bring those guys up a little bit more. Otherwise you're just allowing that simply easy release valve. I just didn't see necessarily, like you said, maybe it's just not practiced enough, whatever it might be. Those that's things go hand in hand. That's got to be it, right? I mean, think yeah, about probably. it. This team has been like a predominantly cover two, cover six, keep it all in front of you, rally, tackle to the football, blah, blah, blah. Now all of a sudden you're like, oh, now we're going to send pressure. Well, great. You haven't, that's not part of your program, right? That's not something you've seen a ton of at camp. That's not certainly not something we've seen throughout the regular season. So nope. that's a hundred percent what I think it is. I think it's just a bunch of guys suddenly, Oh, we can't keep getting embarrassed. So let's go get embarrassed in another way. And then the second part of it too, was it was clear that they had a game plan going in. That was different. Carolina did not look ready for it early in the game. Part of that was Bryce young, just missing some throws, but Carolina adjusted. They figured it out, especially in that fourth quarter. And Green Bay had no counter adjustment. Like they they, they yep. didn't, As they couldn't usual. do anything. Like that's been the biggest thing is, all right, it's great that you go into each game with a plan and a system that you want to use. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but you have to make those in-game adjustments to say, all right, now they're doing this. We need to counter with this. And it just has felt for a while now that the offense is always a step ahead. They make that change. And then it's like, oh, well, I guess we just go with the game plan. It's like, I don't know. Those, those are the things that are, are frustrating to watch on a week to week basis. Well, it's something you've talked about several times this season, both here on the pod and also on your Twitter account where, I mean, just situationally, this, this team is just this defense in particular is just baffling. Like yeah. the, on the second to last play of the game where, you know, they have no timeouts. All you have to do is guard the sideline, yeah. keep them in bounds, make a tackle and you're probably out of there. Right. But Keyshawn Nixon lets the receiver get to the boundary, gets to the sideline and stops the clock. It's these are like, that's a simple thing. Like that's not, I don't think I'm being too judgmental or picky here. Like that's football one-on-one and your guys constantly fail that test. To me, that is, I understand the players have to make the plays. Players have to execute. I understand that, but these are simple football things that you would hope are drilled day after day talked about ad nauseum and i suspect they are somewhat but man when these situational kind of hiccups rear their head every single week man at some point i gotta put that down to coaching big time Uh, and the cardinal sin in that situation the only thing you can other than a touchdown other than a touchdown the only thing you can't allow is a big play out of bounds that's like that's it it's football one-on-one at that point and you get a lot of big play out of bounds. We, I, I posted, and I know everyone saw it as well, the, the fourth and one play where you got a guy completely missing from the A-gap. And again, communication. that? Right? And you've got Bryce Young who's like, you know, he looks like a 16-year-old. And like, he's just like, <laughs> it's like the easiest QB sneak of all time. He'll like, ever have. He'll ever yeah, I mean, have. It's just, it's unfathomable. You had a, a play on defense where, in the second half where they have to waste the time out because they've got 12 guys on the right. field. It's yep. It's those sort of things where, if it were just one thing, you could be like, man, they, they just really got to hammer this home. It's the opposite. It, you can't point to run defense, pass defense, situational defense, big play defense, turnover defense. There's nothing you can point to and say, they, they do this really good. And that's what that's what I think is the ultimate frustration about it. Yeah, th- there's no question. And you, you mentioned it at the top there, uh, real briefly, special teams. And Lord, I know there are some frustrations on special teams. It, it is frustrating to watch. Uh, a team that 
I guess like has the pieces. That's the thing. I think Carlson's a good kicker, and yeah, he missed he missed an extra point, but he came back. He bounced back, hit two big kicks in that game. You know, I think they've got all the athletes in the world necessary to do what needs to be done and comes to coverage and things of that nature. But there's always some kind of miscue. There's always some really bad decision, and I guess maybe that's you know hard to pin down in the coaches because, I mean, I can't fault Rich Basaccia for Keyshawn Nixon trying to run sideways on a return. You know, it's like that's a guy trying to make a play. It's frustrating because you don't get anything out of it and you put your offense really in a bad spot, which they don't end up getting out of in that instance. Um, but at the same time, you flip it around earlier in the game when Van Ness has that roughing call. I don't mind the aggressiveness at getting after the punter and trying to block the kick early in the game, trying to you know create a moment, right? Swing it early, et cetera. But man, you got like, how do you not have guys that understand how does this kid 16 games into the NFL season not understand where he should be, what his aiming point should be? Like, that's where I start to get frustrated with on the coaching aspect, because yeah, the, like the, the, you are what you are. You get what you emphasize. What are you emphasizing? Because it seems like every week there's some new special teams blunder. And this this is a a great cautionary tale of. Hey, just moving on from Joe Barry to the next guy doesn't guarantee anything. <laughs> we were all excited, you know, right, when, when right. Mo Drayton is gone and you bring in Rich Passashi and no name, and they they tore things down pretty well. They bring yeah. in two new assistants. Not they had one assistant before. They get rid of that assistant. They bring in two Rich Passashi assistants to go along with them. They bring in at the time of Dallin Levitt, a Rich Passashi guy. He now mm -hmm. gets his kicker. I know Levitt's gone now, but like Zane Anderson is on this roster, not because I think they think he can be a starting safety in three years, but because <laughs> right. he's a really good special teamer, at least in theory. Like yep. you have Christian Welch on this roster, not because I think they that they think that he's going to become this all pro linebacker because he's really good at special teams. Like they, they used to have that approach where, yes, you will have a Caleb Williams from time to time or a Caleb Jones, a Caleb Williams would be nice. Uh, Caleb Jones <laughs> from time to time uh, where you're going to redshirt that guy for a couple seasons and let him go. But there was a time where it was like the last five, six roster spots were all guys that were developing. You had Tim Boyle, Raven Green, Alex right. Light, Yash Nyman. You had like Vernon Scott. You had a bunch of those guys. And now it's like, hey, all right, you can have your Caleb Jones. We'll give you that one to, to draft and develop or whatever, you know, sign in on drafted free agency. But a lot of these guys are now going to be bottom of the roster, core special teamers to build it around. So it was a change in philosophy, a change in coordinator, assistant coaches, new kicker, new punter, new long snapper, new everything. And you were just hoping that this was, again, we've said it for, I don't know how many years we've been doing this now, Aaron, just mediocrity, just all, oh. just mediocrity is what we're looking for on specials. Like 16th, that sweet 16 spot is all we're looking <laughs> for. Um, and it's still like in like 28, 29, 30 range. Yep. And that's, yep. that's what is hard to fathom. And uh, last year was willing to give Rich so much leeway because this was a, like two decade long special teams. It was problem. a teardown. Yeah. Tear, tear down. down in one yep. year to say like, all right, we're going to now make it great. That's not going to happen. Year two. I was just hoping for a little bit more progress at this point. Well, just a little more consistency. You know what I mean? Yep. Like just a little more consistency, a few less penalties, boneheaded plays, things of that nature. Um, yeah. I'm just, I, I want to talk about this Vikings game, but real quick to me, like there only because there's kind of an underlying, and I don't think he's the problem like per se, but Keyshawn Nixon is a perfect example of not only is he here to like, you know, play nickel, which he's been doing, but to be, and also their returner, he's a rich Basaccia guy brought over from the Raiders. Right. 
but he's just not good enough at any of the things he does or is asked to do. Yeah. Like that's where like I understand the frustration with Barry and Bisacci and whatever, but I do think some of this falls on Brian Gutekunst in the roster construction. And yes, his hands are tied as far as the 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 dead money he's dealing with from Rogers and the vets that have moved on and all that. And I think some of that's to be expected, right? That's kind of the cost of doing business. But I think to take a step next year, like they've got to elevate at both of those spots, whether it's returner or especially at nickel corner, you know, the, the, that's where, yeah, the, it's a, it's a, a good first step in the first year of Jordan love, so to speak, but man, like the floor on this team, I feel like has to be raised uh, as on the defensive side, because uh, th- there's just a lot of guys, especially, especially in the secondary, look at safe, the safety position, but there just seems to be a lot of guys where it's just not cutting it talent wise. It's just not enough as far as consistency goes. Cause you'll see guys make a play, but can you do that every week right now? Way too many guys are not up to that standard. Does that make sense? It does. And this is where I think, yes, I think there's some roster construction things that still need some tweaking. No question about it. I also think where some of the frustration comes in is like, can you try something? Can you, cause like, Darnell Savage right. has played a little bit of slot in the past. Can you maybe try him on earlier rundowns, yeah. like to play him in the slot and then maybe go with like a Carrington Valentine in the slot and more of an obvious passing down. I think Carrington Valentine's probably a better pure cover guy than Keyshawn Nixon. I think Darnell yeah. Savage is probably a better run defender than Keyshawn Nixon on early. Like, can you maybe platoon something there? And instead of just going with Keyshawn every play, maybe do something that Darnell does well early uh, in, in downs and then maybe do something Carrington does well on obvious passing downs. Like those are the sort of things where, I would just love a little bit more ingenuity ingenuity and creativity rather than just we're going to stick with our guy. And I love the loyalty and sometimes it really pays off. Um, and we've seen that in the past of Rashid Walker and, and how they've stuck with him is, is starting to pay off. You're going to get that sometimes, but there comes a point where you, sometimes I, I get change for the sake of change isn't always good, but sometimes like who knows what you might discover or find. And I think that's what I would just like to see a little bit more of when, when something is clear and obvious to the point of this just isn't working anymore. Yeah, of course, they'll try to do that, and then they'll get caught with 12 men on the field, and they'll have to earn a timeout. I'm looking forward to that. Um, So let's look look at this Sunday night game in Minnesota, humongous matchup. Um, You know, I'm really looking forward to the Packers' defense making Nick Mullins look like Joe Montana. Uh, Here's the thing, though. I love the idea of Jordan Love getting another crack at the Vikings, and clearly the environment's much different. They are a much tougher opponent in-house than they are on the road and they put it to the Packers pretty good in Lambeau but to me this is a game where I know Tom Silverstein had reported that there is a chance that Luke Musgrave is able to play in this game and if that is the case he and Kraft against a blitz happy defense that to me could be a big key like where even on leak like just you you set up you've seen Tucker Kraft have what three four big plays with this now this concept where you you're initially set up as though you're blocking and then you leak out or you leak up and you're open. And I saw, you know, the bears got after them with this. Uh, I think Detroit did as well. I, I think that's something the Packers could take advantage of, especially if Musgrave's back. It'd be really fun to see those two together. Cause I think when Musgrave was really just starting to break out Kraft had not yet. And now we've seen Kraft mm-hmm. break out, I think in a pretty significant way and seen yeah. you know, they, green Bay opened with a lot of two tight end sets in this game with Sims and Kraft. And it's yep. really fun and exciting to think of what that could be with Musgrave and Kraft. I think that's a key part of it. 
Obviously, Minnesota has some key injuries that they're fighting through. We don't know the status of Jordan Addison, if he's going to be available. Certainly does not look like TJ Hawkinson's going to be, be available. Blackman, their starting corner, has a shoulder injury that could keep him questionable. And then DJ Wanham goes out for the year this past game as well. They are beat up. But to your earlier point of Jordan going against Minnesota in Minnesota, this season is still all about the evaluation of Jordan. He's passed like every test so far for the most part. But there are two really good defenses left on this schedule in Minnesota and Chicago. Um, yeah. As much as that sucks to say, they've been playing awesome, both of those defenses over the course of the past half of the season. And those are going to be two really difficult challenges. And I think this is sort of like you've been testing all year from a Jordan Love standpoint of like you've been right. getting all these different defenses. And now when it matters most, two games left. The you've final have boss. The final <laughs> boss is going to be apparently the Vikings and the Bears right. defense. And now what happens on the other side of the ball, that's something totally entirely different. Oh, but um, I am excited to see what Jordan and this offense can do in these final two games against two really, really good defenses. Yeah, to keep it with the uh, video game analogy, uh, on the flip side, Nick Mullins gets to go on rookie mode you know, yes. against uh, Joe Barry. Well, and company. It is future, crazy uh, how... NFC or NFL offensive player of the week, Nick Mullins. Oh, uh, but, I mean, it's coming. Put put it put that money down. Um, it is kind of crazy how well the Bears defense has played, isn't it? I know we're off topic here a little bit, but like that Montez Sweat trade, I was like, oh, look at them overpaying again. But like he worked. He's been he's like a force multiplier on that side it's of the crazy. ball. Man. He is he it has flipped a switch for the Bears defense. So I don't know if Packers fans understand how well that defense has been playing over the course of like this last six games or so, but they, they look legit. I, I talked to Carmen Vitale about this last week of like, they're kind of getting a little annoying and I don't like it. And <laughs> what I mean by that is like DJ Moore is playing well, that defense is right. playing out of their minds. Um, they've got a pretty darn good special teams. Like we really need the Chicago bears to go all Chicago bears on that quarterback draft of like figuring out a way to screw this up. My, my really? fan fiction uh, scenario is that last time they took, <laughs> They took the North Carolina guy and it was the playmaker that they passed on and they screwed it up. And this time they yep. take the playmaker and they pass on the North Carolina guy. And somehow they screwed Perfect. up like that'd just be Perfect. amazing. But if they get a quarterback, I, I would not be too excited about that. On the flip side, um, a rivalry between a, a good Bears team with a good quarterback and Jordan Love and a hopefully good Packers team could be could be really fun as well. So that'd be that would be a good time. But one step at a time, we got to got to take down these Vikings and that annoying horn Let's on Sunday it. night. Andy, thank you so much for the time, man. Really appreciate it. everybody out there. Make sure you're checking out Andy's stuff at his YouTube channel, Pack a Day Podcast, everything he does. Andy, thanks so much, man. Appreciate it, Aaron. Have a good one.